The idea for Diabetes Podcast Week is to bring podcasters in the diabetes community together to help listeners find great shows and learn about a terrific charity, Spare a Rose, Save a Child. The mission is simple. Buy one less rose this Valentine's Day and donate the value of that flower to children with diabetes. Donations go to Life for a Child, an International Diabetes Federation program, which provides life-saving diabetes supplies, medication, and education that children in developing countries need to stay alive. If this episode happens to air after you've showered your loved ones with flowers, please consider still making a gift. This is Christopher Snyder, host of Just Talking Podcast. I'm supposed to take less than 30 seconds to highlight my show, Just Talking Podcast, for Diabetes Podcast Week. Instead of reading the names of every diabetes-related guest I've had the pleasure of interviewing over the past eight years, I'll simply say if you listen to every diabetes-focused episode of Just Talking nonstop, back-to-back, it would take you a full week. You can get started on your auditory adventures by visiting JustTalkingPodcast.com and subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever podcasts are sold. And remember, there's no pressure, we're just talking. Welcome to the 60th episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast with my new friend who's a diabetic health coach, entrepreneur, and author, Lauren Bongiorno. If you're new to the show, my name is Amber Kluwer, and I'm the host and also co-founder of the Diabetes Daily Grind blog. As I mentioned in episode 59 with Maria Rose Belding, I've taken the Real Life Diabetes Podcast on the road and just spent a fabulous way too short amount of time in Scottsdale, Arizona. This has been a dream of mine for quite some time, and I finally put pen to paper and made it happen. And what better way to kick this epic adventure off than attending a Beyond Type 1 meetup with some of my favorite T1D peeps. I spent two full days driving the countryside alone to make this dream a reality, and even though I'm exhausted, I wouldn't change a thing. And not only is this the first Hitting the Road episode, it is also Diabetes Podcast Week, aka hashtag DPodcast Week, created by my friend Stacey Sims of Diabetes Connections. If you're not familiar with this hashtag, I hope you'll take a moment to check it out because there are some other really killer diabetes podcasts that we're working with. So, but before I get started, I want to share a few quick announcements. If you're interested in having a real-life diabetes podcast come to your neck of the woods, please shoot me a social media message, or you can send me an email at info at diabetesdailygrind.com. Please continue to love, like, and share all things social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And man, I really need to boost up my Instagram, so help a brother out. You can help me also by leaving an iTunes review because, as I always say, I really love hearing your voice and hearing your feedback, and um, it just really helps me. It really helps ground me in so many ways. Um, Stay up to date by signing up for the newsletter, and please click on the Amazon banner on the right side of the Diabetes Daily Grind website before shopping. Kind enough to throw a little change my way and keep the episodes coming, which is exactly what I need right now as I'm traveling the countryside. So, okay, enough rambling. Um, So I'd like to share a little bit about today's guest. Lauren Bongiorno is a virtual diabetic health coach, entrepreneur, and author of the Diabetic Health Journal. Lauren coaches and creates resources for people with type 1 diabetes all over the world to achieve optimal diabetes management and feel strong and empowered. Lauren's practice is rooted in her 360-degree approach, emphasizing wellness throughout the mind, body, and soul. 
speaks to me right there. She believes that through self-reflection and mindfulness, we are better able to understand our patterns, achieve goals, and reform our most limiting habits. Lauren continues to be a leading voice in the online community to her 28,000 Instagram followers. And she's also an ambassador for Lululemon and was recently nominated by Pure Wow as one of the top 100 entrepreneurs to watch for 2019 for her work in the diabetic space. She's incredible. And as I had the pleasure of sitting across from her, she is above and beyond everything that her bio says. So, all right. I hope you enjoy this first Hitting the Road episode as much as I did recording it. Yes, I'm alive. One minor inconvenience, a little thing called diabetes. It's a daily grind, it's a daily grind, and it grinds and grinds and grinds and grinds. But I'm alive. Yes, I'm. I'm here with my friend Lauren. Lauren, how do you pronounce your last name? Bongiorno. Bongiorno. Yes. I want to say it with the accent that you have. But <laughs> Bongiorno. <laughs> Bongiorno. I love it. And I'll hopefully remember that for the intro as well. So Lauren was kind enough to agree to be on this kind of impromptu podcast. And as I said in the last um, on episode 59, I'm officially taking the show on the road. And here we are. So I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona for a Beyond Type 1, what are we calling it? Meetup? Meetup. A meetup. Yeah. Just a couple of folks living with a disease. Um, some, you know, a couple of high profile women who have kind are kind enough to host this for the rest of us. And so I'm happy to be here. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> so Lauren, where did you travel from to be here? So I'm from New York City and I'm here and I'm so excited to be um, co-hosting the event at the McCarter's household. And mm-hmm. um, I'm doing it with my friend Paloma and we're both on the Global Ambassador, Ambassador Council for Beyond Type 1. How did you get on that? You know, it's so funny. I think about two years ago, I first started posting about diabetes. Mm-hmm. I, I had an Instagram account, and for a while, I wasn't sharing diabetes-related anything. Right. And then I think one time, my, um, you know, I, I did one post, and then you know, I was getting traction from the people in the diabetes community, right. which I didn't even know existed, and right. like online. And I think then uh, Mary Lucas from um, Beyond Type One had reached out and said, "Hey, like we, you know, you have, you know, a lot of people with diabetes follow." unit and we mm. you know found you and we'd love for you to potentially consider being on this global ambassador council and it was like the best decision I ever made ever. that's incredible yeah and it's nice how those things happen and I use this word a lot lately organically it's not like you were you know pushing anything you were just being yourself and I think that that's for me the most um, desirable thing when you're living with a disease seeing people that are not faking it necessarily you know what I mean you're just mm-hmm. living the life and and sharing it openly which a lot of us don't so yeah, and that was me for a while. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I always start with, let's talk about your diagnosis age and kind of what were the symptoms or, you know, how did you get to the hospital? Okay, so I was seven and I remember bits and pieces of it. Um, obviously, my 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 parents were the ones who, you know, kind of were seeing the symptoms. And I remember 
being in my kitchen and hearing my mom on the phone with her, which I now know it was her best friend, and saying, I just, something's wrong with her. She's like, like she's so tiny and she's already <laughs> tiny. And, you know, this little seven year old girl. And she's just waking up in the middle of the night, like five, 10 times to go to the bathroom and just drinking gallons of water. And I do remember being at a birthday party. Um, I guess it was a couple of weeks before that. And like looking at the pool and like saying to my friend, like, doesn't that look so good? Like I can drink that whole pool. <laughs> um, and so I do remember definitely being very thirsty. Um, and so I was, you know, my mom, I think my mom's best friend had knew somebody with type one and it said, I think she, you know, I think you need to bring her to the doctor like right now. And so we hmm. went and, um, then the next thing I remember is my mom hysterical crying outside with mm-hmm. the doctor. And then the next thing was my dad was met us at the hospital and I was there for a week. So you were there for a week. And so yeah. that's, I'm not funny. Were you in DKA? I wasn't, but I was there for a while. Well, because so many people that I interview these days that are like your age range, uh-huh. they were there for not even overnight. Really? They're given a backpack. They're given a back, yeah. And you know what? I mean, no offense to anybody. I don't know what that's like, but I mean, I spent two weeks in the hospital mm-hmm. and I wasn't in DKA. So, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm thankful that I had that experience there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, parents today, I feel sorry for you a little bit, but um, okay. So you now have type one diabetes. Do you hit the ground running? Do your or do your parents really help manage it? Or are you doing it yourself? Yeah. So I was I was pretty independent with my diabetes early on, and I think it's one of the reasons why um, I think I I deal with diabetes the way I do. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, you know, they didn't, I didn't get home the first day and they were like, all right, you're on your own kind of thing. I think they were incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Good luck. Like, all right, like, see you later. We're going out to eat. But they really did, you know, want me to take control of it. And I mean, my dad's whole thing was like, you can do, you know, what many parents say, like you can do whatever you want to do with diabetes. You have to take care of yourself. You have to test your blood sugar and your A1C report card is the best, you know, report card you're ever going to, the most important you're ever going to get. Um, But for them, it was just, I wanted, I'm a very independent person ever right. since I was little. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, right now I'm on the road for 17 days. I'm just like, I want to go like do all these things. So my parents <laughs> were like, if you want to sleep over your friend's house, like you need to, we need to be able to trust that like you're going to wake up in the middle of the night. Right. We didn't have CGMs. Right. So like I need to, they and I can't imagine like in hindsight, like what it was like for my, like I love my mom and dad even like and appreciate them so much more now because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm at, you know, I'm in, you know, my mid twenties and I'm like, if I was, you know, have, have a kid in the next, you know, 10 years I'm like oh my gosh like if my child like I can't even think of it so yeah it's crazy but yeah they I was pretty independent early on with that <clears throat> when you think about too because um, I'm much older than you are but in the same scenario like a my parents let me go and spend the night you know did girl scouting it you know things like that but also you think about the parents on your friend's side mm-hmm. they're letting someone into their home who really if anything goes wrong and this was just in the news recently that you know, something it could be it could be really bad. And so I always applaud the parents that welcome you in because that's a, that's a lot to handle. And now with CGMs, I know a friend whose um, kid has it and the, the parents who they were staying the night with call the parents and are like, hi, um, the blood sugar's like 305. Tell her to shoot up or tell right. her, you know what I mean? Right, like, right, so it's, right. I'm thankful for all the technology because I think it'll make the kids' lives easier. So, And that's, so, and I have mixed feelings on that. Like I do right. because I think that on one hand, it does definitely make it, the CGM makes, you know, everything so much easier yeah. and, and to be able to see it right there, you know, on your phone or if you have, you know, the Libre to swipe it. But I think that for sure it makes 
parents way over invested right. or way over like less gives the kids less or they feel less freedom right. um, with it number one and then number two I think what a lot of kids who are growing up now with the, with the CGM are mm-hmm. missing is that Intu- intuition oh, yeah. and to intuitively be able to understand a what they you know where their blood sugars are at without right. looking and then b understand their patterns more mm-hmm. you know what's going going to happen without trusting and leading on that cgm yeah. so, so when you were little when you had a um a low blood sugar mm-hmm. what, what did you feel like what were your symptoms? Oh my gosh. I remember like sitting on the kitchen floor one time and just, I would sweat. And yeah. I mean, actually it's pretty much the same now. I would sweat and I get shaky yeah. and, and, and not be able to like hold a conversation. Like it was just like, I can't speak. <laughs> when, when I was a kid, my nose used to get numb. Oh, that's so interesting. And but I had the same things. I would sweat, sweat through anything You'd and sweat. then definitely the shakes. But now that I'm older, my nose doesn't get numb mm. and I don't shake as much. I don't shake really like that, but I can feel it. It's almost like I go into this. Oh, what's the word? Um, panic attack mode. Okay. Because my body, I think in the back of it's, you know, it's just thinking fight or flight. You're, you know, your blood sugar is dieting right now. Right, right, right. And your adrenaline shoots up. And it's, I was just talking to somebody over coffee because he doesn't have a CGM and he still uses NPH and regular. Oh my gosh. And so he's had diabetes cool. for 40 plus years and he has no desire to be on all those. But he said that one of his friends who has type 1, who got diagnosed in his 20s, is always checking his pulse. And he's making fun of him, like, what are you checking for? Right. And, it's, and I'm like, well, it's because your heart rate goes up. Right, right. Well, my mind's going off right now because my blood sugar is high. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Did you give yourself a shot before we started? Yeah. Okay. I gave so my shot. We'll see down arrow. I gave a shot right before I came over here from the hotel. Okay. So I went to Starbucks this morning to meet with a fellow type 1 who I'd never met. Get there early to order breakfast. And as I went to shoot up, I realized I left my insulin at the hotel. Not a good way to start your day. Not a good way. But I just put my breakfast in my purse, drank my coffee, and watched my blood sugar rise. And yeah, and so, um, and Laura and I were talking about this a little bit before, because I really appreciate her morning routine. And I am so accustomed, I'll start there with, I know where everything is. I get up at 4.43 every morning to give my traceba. And then I, you know, I have a really ridiculous, to, almost to the point of being obsessive compulsive, but I know where everything is and I know what's going to go down. Now I'm out of my comfort zone. And for me to forget my insulin, I'm like, thank goodness I wasn't at a major event or something like that. So what do you say to morning routines and, and are they good or bad? Oh, well, so I mean, obviously everything depends on the person. I've developed it over the past few years mm-hmm. and like it's changed my life and it sounds so dramatic but really and and I notice the impact of it not even so much on mm-hmm. the days that I do it but on the days that I don't do it yeah and I realize like oh my gosh I feel so out of sorts like I'm just all over the place today mm-hmm. and it's and it's the days that I don't have that I don't implement it so it's yeah. really important to me and I think um, it's something that gives me energy and and a place of grounding. So for me, I like to start my day, um, and I just did a post on this on Instagram. There's a video, but I lemon water, warm mm-hmm. lemon water, and and then you know uh, like about 24 ounces of just regular water just to get myself hydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good for your digestion, and it's just something that's like a ritual for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I prefer it to coffee because it doesn't raise your sugar sure. in the morning. So I do that, and then I'll do some sort of whether it's meditation or mostly like visualization or affirmations mm-hmm. to just get my head in the right space. And then after that, it's usually I'll, um, 
um, you know, do some kind of movement sometimes, some type of exercise, but that's pretty much my, my grounding in the morning time. So I'm just mm-hmm. not like waking up, you know, to the alarm and then like running 10 minutes out cause I have to leave. And then you have more risk of like forgetting something or right. just like not being in the right in the headspace. And it's just kind of like, instead of waking up on the wrong side of the bed, you might, but then you can fix it right away. What time do you try to get up in the morning? Oh, uh, I'm up usually on average six on average, six. on average six. Yeah. But my energy is in the morning. Like I'm a mm. morning person. Like I can, I write my best in the morning. Mm. I work product, like my productivity is highest in the morning. I like the idea of people still being asleep and me getting ahead of the world. That's a good <laughs> way to put cases. it. Right, right. I'm like, yeah. But then it's, you know, my boyfriend's an evening person. So he's just like, oh my gosh, it's eight o'clock. You're not going to bed. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, okay, so talking about, so I know you journal. Yes. And I'm a big fan of affirmations and, and the meditation process and things like that. So tell me a little bit more about your newest, the Diabetic Health Journal. Yay! I love talking about this because um, it was, I mean, it's only been, I think, out for about six months. Mm-hmm. And we have so many people using it. Literally, Good. I think it's over in like 25 countries, almost what? in like every state. Yeah, we. I had wow. um, my intern, she like was uh, doing all the stats and I tracking it. it. And I was like, oh my God, that's incredible. But um, there's such a great community on online for everybody who's using it. And right. it's just, it's speaking for itself that it's changing so many people's um, A1C levels, lowering right. it and just their mindfulness and just self-love. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the how the Diabetic Health Journal like came about was I really found that there was a point where my whole life it was we'd go to the endo, you know, every, you know, three to six months. Mm-hmm. And um, the greatest thing that I actually got was like, okay, knowing my A1C, but then there was like nothing in between right. kind of where I was like, okay, my, 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 even when I was younger, my mom, they gave you those like check size, remember the checkbook size, like logs oh, that they yeah. have you do like the first two weeks. Right. Yeah. It's like after that, like most people, we don't log and they don't even encourage it. Um, and there's a difference because you have it now on the CGM where like you see the trends like yeah. on the clarity, mm-hmm. um, for like Dexcom, but you don't know exercise and food and sleep and for women like your menstrual cycle like all those things are so important and I unless always, you put in I mean but I don't do this so I'm not saying and I don't know if this is right your events so yeah, if you but, but I mean that's eh. and it's and I don't like the interface of it it doesn't yeah. show it so like this like the diabetic health so I started logging and I would mm-hmm. log just like you know for days on end especially when like my, I wanted to get my A1C down or really. I just like I got a little deck sound alert. Um, the A1C down, or I just want had a, like you know like a bad weekend of blood sugars, and I'm like, okay, I want to get back on track. And I'd start logging all these things, and then I just figure out my patterns on my own. And so my whole yeah. thing is like, don't depend on your endo for to be like your whole like holistic support. Right. Like there, you need to do it like take ownership on your own and do it but I started giving these to my clients because as you know I'm a diabetic health coach Mm -hmm. um in just like you know pdf form like a pdf sheet and after you know through the years after like probably 20 of them had said like and they don't know each other like separately like Lauren just the like act of writing these down Mm -hmm. these numbers down or reviewing them with you has had such an impact but like I keep losing the papers and like I'm putting it in a one girl put it in a binder and Mm -hmm. and they were like you should make this like into a book and then I was like oh okay 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 and after like the 20th person I was like I'm going to do this because I have so much success with myself and then with the people I was coaching I was like this needs to I want other people to have this available to them so tell me some key things about the diabetic health journal like what are the main things that you want people to track in this book yeah so on the left side there's a log um, and it's basically your food your insulin the time and a note section to put like exercise 
exercise or if you were sick that day or whatever. Um, but I like, and I, I, I really, what I hope is, because anybody can just log that on a sheet of paper, is I, I, I intentionally created it to be a holistic support for mm-hmm. your diabetes. Mm-hmm. So for me, like I have there's you know gratitude section like write yep. what you're grateful for in the evening it's like reflect what's one pattern you recognize today so right. it asks you these prompts to make you reflect back on your day because I think a lot of times like especially with me I used to be so proactive with my diabetes meaning like if I was high during the day I'd be like oh shoot like I got to have to correct and then I go down and kind of like move on and forget about it like oh tomorrow's a new yeah. day and I think there's a there's definitely a benefit of moving on to the next day and letting go of the day before right. and not hanging too tight onto it. But it's also like learning opportunities that we're missing and you're missing tracking your patterns and seeing what's happening daily. Right. So it's a holistic approach to your diabetes management. It helps you increase your mindfulness and also empowers you to find your own patterns and see mm-hmm. what tweaks you need to make. And it's a positive feedback loop. So it's like if you have a great day of blood sugars and there's a chart of like how I felt where like you can check off like your mood and your energy levels mm-hmm. on on a scale of zero to five. And if you are, you know, having a day of like all fives and you're like, oh my gosh, look, I worked out today. I meditated. I went for a walk. I hung right. out with friends. Like right. I made healthy food decisions. Like it encourages you to like do that the next day. Now, do you look at their book or do you, do, I mean, I mean, so I think a lot of people may not recognize their own patterns. Mm-hmm. So do you go in and kind of dive into it to see or I mean, that's, I know that's kind of hard, but yeah, no. So that's the health coaching aspect of it. So if somebody if I'm working with somebody in over a three or six month period, mm-hmm. Every time we have a session, like part of the session is they'll take pictures of, I usually give them a homework assignment of like, send me at least six logs for next time and we'll go through them together. Okay. Um, but for people who are doing it on their own, they um, it's it's guided and maybe it's not that much support, but they can always look at it with their endocrinologist. Some, right. A lot of people bring it in um, or just get good at kind of looking back hmm. on the day. Have endos had any comments about this? Yeah, so people tag me on Instagram. Um, a few have tagged me on Instagram saying like, I brought this to my endo and they love the idea. And um, it's, and I even, my endocrinologist on Long Island in New York, she had me come and bring the journals to one of her events. And so they're oh, really supportive of it, which is awesome. Really, yeah. uh, that's so nice. So let me, okay, so I know about health coaches and personal trainers and things like that. So give me some specifics as to what a diabetic health coach, what all does that entail if I was interested in hiring you? So I mainly help people who are looking to lower their A1C, um, maybe increase their insulin sensitivity for weight loss, Mm -hmm. um, lower stress and anxiety, which I found a lot of people that ties in um, to diabetes, and then usually just increase their um, predictability with their numbers. And that can be around exercise, Mm -hmm. around traveling, around, you know, whatever they're having to struggle with. Um, And so really the idea is for me to coach them and bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. And when I coach them, it's, you know, I'm asking them questions and I'm getting them to come to the right answer of what they need to do. Because really they just, a lot of people, it's just slowing down enough to dedicate their time to like work with me. Um, and it's not something you do with diabetes all the time because diabetes, it's like it's always there. Yeah. And it seems so impossible and overwhelming sometimes because there are so many factors. And so when you feel like you're like underwater and you're just like, oh my gosh, like where are, the, where are these numbers coming from? Is it because I'm sick? Is it because my cycle's happening? Is it right. because like I ate that food? Like what the heck? I ate that yesterday and I'm fine. <laughs> but really what I found and what my, my clients found is find through the coaching is that there is actually a lot that you can predict and a lot you can get. (laughs) 
it's going down people just know that it's at 308 (laughs) we're good um a lot that you can predict and a lot that you can take control of when you slow down and prioritize it Mm. and also in the coaching program you're building habits like i'm i'm helping you build habits that are around like food for instance that are um long lasting and they're breaking down the poor habits whether it's emotional eating Mm -hmm. or um whether it's just you know not knowing what to what to eat when specifically Mm -hmm. um or whatever it is and 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 bringing light to what's working and what needs to change for you. So it's just yep. dedicating that time and creating that awareness. Well, and I think sometimes when people are diagnosed, and I can't say anybody in particular, but you're set, you're told to eat a healthy, eat a healthy diet. Mm. Well, what does healthy mean to you? Oh my gosh! Because I mean, I know some people could really stretch that, especially if you're young and you don't realize what health is. Oh, healthy is. I can talk so much. This is my favorite thing to talk about ever. <laughs> oh my gosh! And it's because. I actually have a lot of clients that I coach that either A, were put on a low-carb diet when they were like 10 years old and diagnosed with diabetes, and right. now they're coming to me because they have such a poor relationship with food, Ugh. and it's so bad, and it's a binge-restrict pattern. Um, or then, or B, people who have tried keto for you know six months to a year and had wild success with it, but then are want to go out with friends and have you know tacos or to have just mm-hmm. a slice of pizza because it's their favorite food and they hadn't been eating it for a year and they have their insulin resistance is absolutely insane and wow. they want to live a more balanced uh, balanced life and to be able to do that so it's a definitely uh, a touchy subject but something that mm-hmm. I love talking about well and I hadn't heard anybody say it and it makes total sense the binge restrict yeah, and um, let's talk a little bit about. So when I spoke with Lauren briefly yesterday while I was on the road, she we were talking about diabulimia and some of the other things that are coming out. Um, and you brought up a different medical condition. Is that what it's called? Which is it a medical condition? Yeah. So it was recently. Um, it was recently. I, I guess put. And I think it's a DSRM. I don't know if I'm saying that wrong for any psychologist, <laughs> but um, it's a new eating disorder that's called orthorexia. Okay. Um, and it came out, I think, maybe in the last five years. Um, but basically, it's an obsession with healthy eating, and it's something that. In hindsight, I wasn't diagnosed with in college, but it's something that I definitely had, whether it was to an extreme, it wasn't to an extreme degree, but I had it. Mm-hmm. And I, it was very closely tied to my diabetes. I can totally relate to that to the point of, and I kind of felt guilty at different times in my life, like with my last boss, my executive director, whenever we would talk about going to lunch, she was like, okay, well, you'd pick the place because I know you are going to be very serious about X, Y, and Z. And, you know, and then I felt guilty Mm-hmm. Or, you know, going on a date mm-hmm. and I have to think, oh my gosh, what if I'm not going to be able to eat there? Right. And then you, I walk into this wonderful situation, hopefully, and I'm so anxiety ridden because they're not going to have something or I'm going to have to be so particular slash high maintenance that I'm going to be embarrassed. And that's not how you want to present yourself. So I think many of us can relate to that. It's good to know that there's, and I don't like to say a condition that's, but that makes me not feel as crazy. with that because I know that other people are experiencing the same obsession with the food that they put in. Yeah. And I think for me, like I still, like I still go out to a restaurant and like never order just the thing that it says on the menu. Like I'm always (laughs) making substitutions. I'm like known (laughs) for it. My friends are just like, can you just order what's on the menu? Like no. No. So, and that, I think there's a difference between that and then what I had in college, which was like a, like a debilitating, like mindset of fear of food too. And it was Mm. like a way, it was like a two part thing. It was one, it was a way to control because I think I felt psychologically like 
lost control with, you know, getting diagnosed with diabetes. Mm-hmm. I think that's what a psychologist, you know, or, you know, a therapist would say to me. Um, and then the second part is, is like a fear of being imperfect and not having perfect blood sugar numbers and knowing that like I was celebrated when I had a perfect A1C or the lowest it could be. Right. And so I was such in fear of that where now I make healthy decisions. The intention behind it is different. The intention right. behind it is like, I'm doing this because like I you know, because I love myself, not because I'm in fear of myself right. or, or because I hate myself. I don't like myself. Right. Um, and it's just, it's just a different mindset and different intention behind it. Oh, I, I understand that 100%. I was saying earlier this morning at the coffee meeting, you know, my dietary choices, I never really related it until later in life to diabetes, mm-hmm. but more about how I felt when I ate something mm-hmm. down to the fact, like I, I've said this before on one of my birthdays, I was out shopping, I had a glass of wine, I was doing all this, I was like, you know what, I'm going to splurge today, and I'm going to eat Chick-fil-A. Not that big of a deal. Not that big of a deal. I felt like crap. And, you know, fried potatoes. Ugh, oh, God. Um, anywho, Aww. and it was like one of those things where it was like I had given myself a gift of freedom, but then I had to live with what the results were. So it's one of those, like, I choose purposefully every day what I put in my body when it comes to food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know, tying it back to kind of, I mean, my life is health coaching and so it's easy to tie it back to it. But what I try to do too with my clients and what I've done for myself is you eat what is going to serve you, let's say 85% of the time. Right. But for me, it's really important, especially for women to not have that guilt around your favorite food. So it's like, let's say the pizza or the Chick-fil-A. Right. And it's hard to do that when your blood sugars go high after. Yeah. So what I try to do is we try to find, I help I help them find their patterns around those specific mm-hmm. foods. And so you're realizing like, okay, two units for Chick-fil-A like didn't work this time. Let me right. make a note in my phone that like mm-hmm. I need four units and I need, you know, if you're on a pump, like I need to do an extended bolus or whatever right. I need to do. So it's a little bit less like, her, you don't feel the guilt as much because right. it's like maybe some normal not normal people but people who are working <laughs> pancreases like they're gonna feel like crap after having Chick-fil-A right. but they're like they can move on easily from it because right. they don't have the blood sugars where we get like hit by a train and we're like oh my <laughs> gosh I feel like miserable <laughs> right yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Um, there was something else that you were just uh, how many clients do you have right now I usually take on about 18 at one time hmm. Um, and I see everybody once at, like uh, by month, by weekly, I guess every other week. Every other Is that week, the word? yeah. I don't know. I always by, mess it by up. weekly, yeah. by monthly. Yeah, twice. Yeah. I see them twice a month, um, and then have communication with them through email and an app that I have that I they get direct access to me so in between. Somebody wanted to get a hold of you. How would they reach you? Yeah, they can. Uh, my client or like like, like if somebody wanted to be one of your clients. Yeah, want your coaching. So they'd basically sign up for a consultation on my okay. website, and we'd I you know jump on the phone with them. And I always say like, I'm not for everybody. I'm right. not for somebody who um, is doesn't want it. And like I I got a call yesterday from <laughs> from somebody who's you know person they were you know their partner wanted it for them more than they wanted it right. and I kind of said you know I, I I guided them in the right direction and and that's okay <laughs> but I do attract a lot of women mm-hmm. who are in there let's say um mostly let's say 18 to 18 to about 40 18 to 35 mm-hmm. who are like 
I'm just frustrated with myself mm-hmm. and I want to feel better and I want to feel confident and I want to feel empowered and in control. And like, I've tried everything. I'm, right. you know, my A1C is budged a little bit, but, and it's even, it's more than A1C, but I want right. to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And, and those are the people I like the hungry girls, <laughs> but then I work <laughs> with families too. Um, so I coach a lot of families who have, you know, kids and who have type one, whether they're just recently diagnosed mm-hmm. or they've, you know, had it for a few years and I love coaching them as well. Well, let's talk about it if you can. Why- one of the reasons why we're in Scottsdale. Yeah, so really cool. I guess um, I'm actually in Scottsdale because I uh, was Charlie's uh, diabetic health coach. And so mm-hmm. Charlie uh, was 14 when I started working with her um, and the McCarter family. Um, that's, you know, Charlie's the daughter. Mm-hmm. And so she has type one. And so they bring me out here. This is, well, this is my second time out here. I came in last fall, but brought me out here basically to have kind of like an intensive week with Charlie um, and to just, hmm. you know, be here seeing her I have her share like um Mm -hmm. on my on my phone so um you know helping her with things and and really really just you know getting her back into you know into a good a good Pat, was that well received? And, she was excited for this. Oh yeah, she. I'm kind of. She always says, "You're my like little my my big sister." So, <laughs> um, she she has an older sister, Sydney, who I love as well. They are like the sweetest girls. Mm-hmm. But it's really m- one of my favorite things. I love um, because I wish I had that support when I was younger, and Absolutely. I wish there were so many things. Like so, Charlie was one of the things that um, we try to I try to have her do is when she's low, don't eat, don't correct with eating because she mm-hmm. just wants to ravage through the kitchen, like so most we, of us, like most. Yeah. 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 And so if you can train yourself to know just my go-to when I'm low is just 10 carbs of a juice box. Like yeah. I know it's going to bring me up. Like, let me just wait. That's patience. Patience. So we're working on that. We've been working on that this morning a lot. <laughs> we're talking about That's that. really tough one. And even though, I mean, I've had diabetes for a really long time, just recently and with the CGM, normal day doing my own thing. I was right after breakfast and I noticed that my blood sugar is going down quickly. And it was the first time I had ever said low double arrows down mm-hmm. and I'm like son of a bitch what am I going to do here so I had my orange juice I ate what did I eat two starburst mm-hmm. slowly and I was just like sitting there waiting just waiting waiting <laughs> waiting until it went up to 42 and then I was like okay well we're there at least we're there and you know having to watch that climb it's it's one of those scary moments but again having to literally in that moment tell myself don't eat anything else because you don't want to rebound that high and because then you feel right. worse. Oh my gosh, yes. Like mm-hmm. I remember in I was studying abroad in Florence um, in college and I was in this tiny, tiny room with my best friend. It was, we were in this apartment and so she was literally right next to me <laughs> and in the middle of the night I had a bad, I remember having a bad low and she was like, she's like, the next morning she's like, all I heard was for like an hour the glucose <laughs> tablets like shaking and I woke up and I was like still half asleep but I literally ate like almost the entire jar of glucose tablets. Oh, like gosh. I woke up with them like in my bed oh, and yeah. I was like 400 when I woke up and I was like, I just distinctly remember that moment as kind of like one of the last moments like I ever, like I, yeah. I was, it was, it was bad so now I baggy my glucose tablets by my bedside so Mm -hmm. they um, I just know two and just wait (laughs) that's a good way of doing it too in the Mm -hmm. nightstand baggies yeah it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I actually bought my first glucose tab oh my goodness really wait what I'm thinking why would I eat this like chalky whatever okay when I could eat something that's fun right but I will say (laughs) look now that I have glucose tabs it makes diabetes a lot easier yeah. Because you can eat two or three and then you can watch it climb slowly. Right. And it's not chocolate or something. And I've never been that person necessarily, but I would drink too much juice or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, mm-hmm. glucose tabs. Mm. 
Someday they'll be. What's your favorite flavor? I was going to say, what flavor do you like? I'm going to say fruit punch. (laughs) Fruit. Oh, okay. I had those when I was a kid. The only ones I don't like, I have like strawberry now. I don't like the grape ones. Oh, no, 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 no. I tried the citrus. Citrus wasn't good either. Ooh, that doesn't sound These are all rely on brands. So I know that everybody puts out their own line of them or whatever. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, and I'm such like a health person too, but like in that sense, like for middle of the night things like that, I have Mm -hmm. glucose tablets. Like I usually, how I usually treat it is with coconut water or fruit. Like Mm -hmm. that's my preference. Um, But sometimes it's like, I can't go into the kitchen in the middle of the night because I don't have enough, you know, your body is like in that fight or flight mode and I don't have that uh, discipline when my blood sugar is low to do that. Yeah. In the daytime, it's better. I can, but yeah, it's what works for me. Yeah. Well, I want to transition into, so I read one of your posts recently. I don't know how long ago it was. And do you remember the title of it where there was 10 things? And I think it was after the new year was, it wasn't new year's resolutions. Maybe it was it intentions or, oh, or reflections. No, I know what you're talking about. So a few, like that was like this week, I think I was like five days ago. Was It It was, yeah, the 10 <laughs> things. So this is 10 things I've learned in the last five years of like blogging and go being in the social scene. <laughs> Well, I, the, the 10 here, and I'm not going to read all of them, we'll link, um, link her post so you can take time to actually reflect. But um, I like the don't make a backup plan until it's absolutely necessary. Plan A is the only way mindset. Mm. What, are your, what sparked that? So is this more of your professional career? It was, that was a more professional. Okay. Um, more because everybody you know what I do is not traditional and Mm -hmm. it's something that's newer and everybody was telling me I needed a backup plan and Mm -hmm. I was just like I don't want to hear the backup plan this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm passionate about and this is what I'm what I'm good at and this is what we're doing (laughs) I like that um okay here's another one number three most times we don't need clarity on where we'll end up what something will turn into we just need to intuitively follow something if it really makes you happy turns on your soul fire Mm. I love that oh um anything you want to say to that one uh to that one too I think um, I mean it's really what it is is just being present it's 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 presence it's presence and I think there's even I got a question on Instagram today asking about like fear of complications down the line Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's scary because I was even at a conference where I think I got a little even jolted with somebody mm. saying their their blood sugars were so even like they were so great. And out of nowhere, she got like neuropathy and, and she's had great blood sugars and right. granted, I don't know what great blood sugars mean to her. Right. But it is it is it can be scary if you let yourself sit in that space. But I just try to I don't really think about that. I do what I can each day to feel my best and I take it one day at a time. And right. it's just holistically taking care of myself and doing what feels good and, and let the rest unfold how it's supposed to. I like the, the presence because when we live in fear, that's exactly where we're going to stay. And if you're always looking to the future, you forget you're losing what's going on here. Mm-hmm. I'm going down one. We're at 307. <laughs> slow. I've slow got descent. a lot of insulin in my body and anywho, so I'm okay. People We'll we'll do some exercise after. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, But I think when it comes to the complications, you know, I was just thinking about this, you know, everything that we hear about is caused by diabetes or a diabetes complication. And it's frustrating as hell because I don't think that the way that they're marketing some of those things is absolutely, I mean, is, oh, the right way to do it because it's not accurate. 
Mm-hmm. I, I'll give you a specific, maybe if I can think of one. But then I was thinking, what's the next thing they're going to say that diabetes is going to cause some weird form of cancer? You know, what's next? Because neuropathy, retinopathy, all these other things, but those can be caused by other things, high blood pressure, which can be because of diabetes or a part of it, but it's not, you're not getting it just because of diabetes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's so bio-individual. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm in the health risk of stroke. Yeah. And I mean, I'm in the health and food world and there's, you know, this doctor, his name is Dr. Gundry, uh, I believe. And he, his thing is uh, lectins on fruit and how Mm -hmm. fruit and vegetables, and there's these certain uh, vegetables and fruits that you shouldn't eat because it's, you know, turns on the, your, protects your immune system and all these things. And I'm like, that could be true for some people, but it's not true for every. Everybody. Right. And so if I lived in fear of that and I lived in fear of this food and this food and this food, I'd be left with cucumbers on my plate. So, and, and if cucumbers have lectin, then I, I don't even know, but then I'd be left with water. So <laughs> it's like, really, it's the more it's be present and you can't, and then you won't live in fear. <laughs> and I think it's one of those things too, and I'm not going to preach anymore about meditation, but when you get, for me, when I get really caught up in whether it's diabetes or just stress of life, taking five minutes 10 minutes, even if it's in the car while you're driving, breathe in, breathe out. And I've watched my numbers change mm-hmm. just because I'm, I'm changing my mindset. I'm changing my heart rate probably. Mm-hmm. And um, do you find yourself meditating often when it comes to the diabetes world? Or is that just a normal practice that it's a benefit? Um, I have a lot of I get into this headspace a lot where I just kind of go down the same funnel of Mm -hmm. just whether it's like I'm not enough or I'm not doing enough or I'm not productive enough or this 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 and it's something that used to be let's say throughout the day like like eight hours of the day I used to at some point think of that right right and I think what meditation helps me does do is it helps me acknowledge it separate myself from it Mm -hmm. and then move on so it's like the thoughts might come up but I don't attach myself to them so Mm -hmm. then I and I can get rid of them pretty quickly or I can you know Mm -hmm. reaffirm to myself that that's just like this part of my head that's not really me speaking it's not my heart it's just my mind and I've been conditioned for however you know many years to think that way Um, so I think it helps me in that respect um, of just feeling feeling better throughout the day and then I also I do medit I've been meditating actually more recently before bed rather than in the morning Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's hard for me to shut my brain off and yep. I need eight hours of sleep. Like mm-hmm. my blood sugars are ha- like wreck havoc the next day if I don't mm-hmm. have like a good seven to eight hours. So I find that that helps me in that respect. Like kind of like n- not go from like TV to bed, but to yeah. like, you know, kind of transition. No, I totally understand that. And they say that with affirmations, the more, especially when there's a trigger, like, oh, I'm not cute enough or whatever. And then you, your affirmation is I'm worthy. Mm-hmm. I am beautiful in my own skin. I am perfect exactly as I am. Mm-hmm. That you really do retrain your brain mm. to think that way. Um, I'd like to believe that because I put in a lot of work. <laughs> yes. No. hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, because you and, and think about it. How like how old were you when you started understanding the tool or utilizing the tool of affirmations? I would say in the past seven years. Okay. So I was so, in the mid thirties. So you were in mid thirties. So for thirty years of your yeah. life, right, you probably were conditioned to think X, Y, and Z, right? Which most most of us are, whether it's from media, our parents, friends, that one Absolutely. person who said that one thing in high school to us that like stuck with us forever. And then you can't expect it then for, you know, to do it for a week and then be fixed, right? Like I've been doing it for let's say five, six, five years, like not like in the beginning a little bit not consistent but recent like past two years consistently and Mm -hmm. I don't expect myself never to think of those things like they're going to come up but I just know what I need to do to get back into that 
you know, aligned state. And you can feel state. yourself. I mean, when you slip out of that and you have those negative thoughts, once you have conditioned yourself, I think, to, to recognize that, mm-hmm. it's, I'm not going to say any easier to get back into the positive thoughts, but at least you're into a point where you can recognize that you're in the bad space mm-hmm. and nobody wants to be there because it doesn't feel good. Yeah, and I think not 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 owning that. I think the yeah. power of I am is that I am not worthy, let's say, or I am not pretty, I am not enough, is like there's such concrete... Um, it's such there's such concrete um you know connotation with it right and so it's you have to switch it to what you know you are and what your heart believes you are and 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 even if you don't believe it say it until you do believe it right oh i totally believe that so one more of the um from your recent post the only way to learn something is to do it Mm. does that fall into your diabetes world as well yes heck yes um I even, I think for myself, I, I feel like the things that I were, was afraid of at one point, like let's say, um, going into an exercise and a workout and giving two units beforehand is something that like would have terrified me. Mm -hmm. But because I recognize my pattern of going high from this specific type of boot camp workout, like Mm -hmm. 20 times. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to try it. And I was so afraid I was going to go to like 30 in the middle of the class. Right. But I did it. I was fine. Right. And that gave me the confidence to then do it the next time and do it the next time and do it the next time. So I think it's like when you just can get outside your comfort zone to do it, it it allows you to see. Yeah. It makes the world. It allows you to see that. Oh, wait, like this worked or maybe this didn't work. And then I have to try something else. And that's fine, too. Yeah. And fear is our biggest obstacle. If you can get out of your head when it comes to stuff like that. I don't push myself nearly as much as I should, and that's me calling myself out. When it comes to um, my physical world, I've gone downhill considerably in my 40s. I may need your training. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm starting to see a little bit of insulin resistance and weight gain. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I love that you push yourself, and I think you're an inspiration to a lot of people, especially because you're documenting the highs and the lows and when you're doing something. I think that's fabulous. And so... Uh, I want to end with Lauren was kind enough to put something on Instagram. What did you, what exactly? So, and she, she had a flood of uh, questions. So I'm we're excited to kind of tap into something. This is the first time we've done anything like this. Yay. Okay. So for anyone who's listening, who saw my Instagram post, I put up like, I'm going to be on a podcast in an hour. I probably should have did this yesterday, but <laughs> in an hour with Amber. Um, so send in any questions like you want me to answer. And so I, I have a, bunch here but i don't know should we go should i just like pick out like yeah, three pick random, random ones? ones yeah okay um so m mer morrison said how to personally how do you personally handle slash deal with slash accept people who don't care to understand what diabetes is have you ever had anybody like that in your life um you know i'm not sure i i, I mean i think that i only i'm a very I have a close knit of like family mm-hmm. and like f- close, like four best friends. And mm-hmm. then like my boyfriend, I'm like, I'm not like a, like I, that's who I spend my time with. That's who I love. And that's who I care. Right. Understands for me. Like, I don't know if I'm going to get called out for this, but a lot, a lot of people do, they get offended between like the type two, not clarifying that yeah. like type one wasn't, you know, induced by like eating a bunch of sugar. Right. And I, right. and I get that. But for me, like I try to think about how like if you're not close to me like 
A, it doesn't really bother me that you don't that you don't understand right. because I don't I don't care that you don't understand. Like right. I don't like it doesn't matter to me. But then also B, it's like if if you're uneducated about what diabetes is and mm-hmm. you make an assumption like that, like that's not a reflection of of me. It has nothing to do with me. It has something to do with them. And it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. Like right. I always try to think that it's like if somebody, for instance, that I knew had a condition or a disease that like I've never heard about, like I might say say something stupid that I like right. not like you know intentionally being mean but like right. something that doesn't make sense and I would hope that they would be you know willing to like educate me and be like hey like that's right. that's actually not what this is or this is you know let me let me tell you about it and I, I wouldn't mean it like you know aggressively or mean or anything right. but I yeah so I think it's like what your need is so my need is for the close people to understand mm-hmm. if you though have a need for the world to understand everybody that you interact with I think that's like a little bit of a high expectation Absolutely. but if you do then it's on you to go out and I feel like and educate and mm-hmm. say like hey like I know you made this comment and like nicely say like I just want to let you know that like type 1 diabetes like has nothing to do with that but I can right. totally see because there's so much media that depicts it right. but like did you you know isn't that so interesting and, and just open that dialogue well and I think just like you I don't have anybody in my life that has in my mind fit that description mm-hmm. with the with that being said in, in an ignorant situation to where somebody presents something that's to me ridiculous it's a great opportunity to educate but not preach yeah and if they're not going to listen then that's on them yeah so i mean you can see it a different different ways yeah and then also like i'm trying to think like i think too i i'm not somebody who needs a lot of support in the diabetes right. area like I know like for me, Chris, my boyfriend, he's a good example because I live with him and he it's not like I'm low and I'm like and he's not getting running to get me juice and I'm and I'm getting upset by that. You know what I mean? Like he I'm very independent in that sense. And that's not a need of mine. So he doesn't you know, he, of course, will be like, hey, are you okay? Like I hear your decks coming going off, but like I don't share my Dexcom with him. Like I don't do any of that. But if that's a need of yours, that's okay. Yeah. And if your boyfriend or your significant other, whoever is you know in the picture that mm-hmm. you're close with, isn't understanding that, and that, that mm-hmm. and then you're therefore be getting upset by that, that is totally understandable. And I think that's about communicating what your need is to them, and saying that like this is a need of mine, and and when you do this or when you don't ask about this, I feel unsupported. Right. No, I that makes total sense. Yeah. All right. What what, All right. what do we got next? Next one. Um, Ah, okay. Uh, being confident, showing your diabetes in public, at work, out to eat, etc. Confidence and diabetes. You know, I, I can speak to this just because it's changed dramatically in the past five or six years. Mm-hmm. I got the tattoo, which is, you know, a big thing of our marketing, my marketing. Um, not for anybody else, but more for me. Mm. Um, and then when it started to be recognized... I thought, wow, okay, this is, I'm putting myself out there to the world and I have to understand that. And so, and then with the Diabetes Daily Grind and the Real Life Diabetes Podcast, you know, just now I just whip out my pen, I shoot up, or before (laughs) I would remove myself if I didn't know the group of people. And, you know, I just didn't want to make, and then I think it transitioned from hiding it to sitting at a business meeting and say, uh, I'm going to give an injection or shoot up or whatever. (laughs) I'm going to shoot up. And if it bothers anybody, please don't look. Or if you'd rather me leave the table, I'm going to give you this opportunity to say something. And of course, nobody says anything. Or if they do, they're like, oh, I can't look, but you do what you need to do. And again, I think it's a great opportunity to educate. And if anybody calls you out, 
that's on them. Yeah. And I think too, I always, one of my favorite quotes is the world sees you how you see you. Yeah. And so for a long time, like I hid my diabetes Mm -hmm. and I literally, when I first started posting on Instagram would take off my pump to do a yoga pose. (sighs) And like, so nobody knew I had diabetes, which is so ironic. Oh my God. Compared to now. But, um, Mm. I do think it's, it's, if you see yourself as worthy and as whole, then you should be like, heck yes, I have diabetes. Like, do you have a question about it? Like, yes, this is this thing I have to wear. It keeps me alive. And, and, or, and you don't have to also be like so showy. Like I don't walk around like asking for attention in that respect. And, and it's not like I place my, you know, Omni hat on my forehead, but, um, like I'm not also embarrassed to just, you know, test or do things like that. And I think it's just (laughs) confidence is, is something that, you know, we were always working on, but also reverse script flipping the script and thinking like if somebody you didn't know at in your work environment like did that like you probably um you probably (laughs) it was my omnipod um (laughs) give me insulin um you probably just you know wouldn't wouldn't i would hope that if you're not going to judge them then they're not going to judge you for it and i think once again it's like going back to that lesson of of test things or whatever i whatever i said try Mm -hmm. things out and that's how you learn is like once you do it once and just get confident of like making your goal okay tonight at dinner with my friends i'm going to tell them i'm giving myself an injection here like this is what i'm doing (laughs) they're probably going to be like oh my gosh that's so cool or like oh my god can you tell me more about that or and then you're going to get confidence and that's how you can get confidence that positive feedback loop which is Mm -hmm. which is why i actually probably post on Instagram and I and I don't and I'm not afraid anymore of sharing it because I think one time the first post I ever did years ago got such a positive like reaction like people were showing me so much love for it yeah and it was a really like I think it could be a you know egotistical or like you know seen as that or like when you're getting like oh my god so many likes but in that sense it was really good because for so long I hid my pump I hid everything and I never wanted anybody to know so it was Mm -hmm. like just show yourself to the world and like pray and and I really do think so that the world is going to accept you as you are well and I think sometimes too like I was at Whole Foods one day and somebody said I I think I know who you are or whatever and it's because they saw the decks come out of the back of my arm oh my gosh and and she said I saw you speak at a JDRF event but it was because she spotted something that said diabetes and I think that's a great opportunity now when I see somebody with a pot or pump especially a parent I'm like Ah, I know what you're doing, you know, and it's, it's a great, it's a great opportunity to connect. So, well, I know Lauren, you've got a lot of stuff going on today. This is your busy time. So we'll wrap up the podcast. Is there anything left you'd like to say? Um, thank you guys for listening. I'm always like so shocked that people want to listen to me more and share my story. So I think this is, I'm just so honored and, and really just grateful for um, a platform like yours to be able to share some of my stories. Um, so thank you so much for having me. And Absolutely. If anybody, I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, no, this is so great. And um, if anybody, I guess, doesn't know, if this is the first time, you know, listening or hearing me, yeah. uh, they can find me on Instagram at, I guess you'll link this all below. Yeah. I'll- all the links we'll have tons sure. of links yeah. So, so yeah definitely connect with Lauren I know that she can help you out in many ways so thank you everybody and uh, we'll see you again soon time and time again lately, I am truly blessed to be living the dream and capturing the stories of fellow people living with diabetes. Even though we have all been diagnosed with the same disease, whether that's type 1 or type 2, our journeys, management, and mindset are very different. 
I hope that each episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast opens new doors for you and helps you better understand what life is like living with a disease. For me, it is also a friendly and sometimes much needed reminder I am not alone. I'm doing everything I can to keep the episodes coming and have some killer guests in the queue. And don't forget to stay up to date with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't be shy. Shoot me a message if you'd like to have the Real Life Diabetes Podcast come to your hometown. The more the merrier. We know that everybody's got a story. So, all right, everybody, that's a wrap. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. I've got more lenses than you. Listen, I got more lenses than you. I'm alive I'm alive One minor inconvenience A little thing called diabetes